History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. spectacular people welcome to this 405th episode of the history ghost bump podcast ghost tours for the theater of the mind i'm your host diane and this is kelly kelly we have taken this podcast to all kinds of different places we've been to iceland bermuda the philippines malaysia mexico canada australia the list goes on and on and on on bonus episodes we've even gone to antarctica we'd love to travel on this one, we're going to another one of these out-of-the-way places, Guam. Oh, very interesting. I can't wait. But before we get into that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Kevin, Stacy with an I, Michelle with two L's, Devin, Misty, Carla with a K, Brittany, Janessa, Lana, Lacey, April, and Sarah with an H. Thank you for joining us in our Facebook group. And now, this moment naughty. The moment in oddity was suggested by Dewey Oxberger. In July of 2010, some excavators were using bulldozers to excavate a parking garage on the 56th block of Lower Manhattan. During that excavation, they uncovered a 32-foot hole of a ship dating to between 1770 and 1780. Archaeologists were called to handle the artifact. They dated it and researched what the ship had been used for, finally concluding that it was probably a commercial ship that had worked out of the Caribbean and got wrecked a few times, needing several repairs. It is rather odd to find a ship buried under the World Trade Center area, but apparently this was something that was done on the regular in places like New York City. The city had many areas that were built on trash heaps. Using old ship hulls to serve as foundations for landfills in Manhattan was an old practice dating to 1836. A similar discovery was made in 1982. Builders found an 18th century merchant vessel near the South Street Seaport. It too was used as part of a foundation. Finding old shipping vessels beneath buildings in places like New York City certainly is odd. This history podcast is haunted. And now, this month in history. In the month of October, on the 1st in 1920, Scientific American Magazine reported that radio would soon be used to broadcast music to every home. For those of us living in 2021, it may seem strange to think of a time when there were not even radios in homes. If people wanted to listen to music at home, they either had to have live music or played on a phonograph. Shortly after World War I, radio became a practical technology. Early usage was as a telegraph, but innovators found a way to harness that for other forms. 
The National Bureau of Standards in Washington, D.C. began experiments in 1919 and used amateur radio operators to test their system and give them feedback. The magazine article reported after hearing about the success of these experiments, music can be performed at any place, radiated into the air through an ordinary radio transmitting set and received at any other place, even though hundreds of miles away. And the music received can be made as loud as desired by suitable operation of the receiving apparatus. Experimental concerts are at present being conducted every Friday evening from 8.30 to 11 by the Radio Laboratory of the Bureau of Standards. The possibilities of such centralized radio concerts are great and extremely interesting. Guam is a United States territory located within the Mariana Islands. The island was occupied by humans starting around 4,000 years ago. Guam is the Chamara people. This indigenous group has endured hundreds of years of conquest and occupation of their island, and yet their culture has survived. A wonderful culture that embraces the spirit world. On this episode, we're going to share the history, legends, and hauntings of Guam. The first people to arrive in Guam probably came from Taiwan thousands of years ago. In 800 AD, a clan-based society took hold and several villages were formed. These villages would grow rice and build one-story houses set atop two-piece stone columns that were called latte houses. These people would become the Chamaros. They were a matriarchal society and they grew to become expert fishermen and farmers. Spanish explorer Ferdinand Magellan arrived in 1521 and this began 300 years of Spanish conquest. He looked at the Chamorros as savages and nicknamed the island Islands of Thieves because the Chamorro took things. The island was relatively ignored by the Spanish until Jesuit missionary Father San Vitores arrived and forced conversion to Catholicism. He baptized the chief's daughter against the chief's wishes, and the missionary was killed. The Spanish sent the military to subjugate the people. Wars erupted, and in the end, only 10% of the Chamorro's population remained. Can you imagine? No, that's really sad. Took out 90% of their population. And all because this Jesuit missionary baptized the chief's daughter and he got angry about it. Otherwise, Spain was basically just being like, oh, it's an island, we'll put a few people there and leave it alone. Very sad. In 1898, the Spanish-American War would come to Guam. The irony is that the Spanish here had no idea that there was a war. So when the USS Charleston arrived and fired its cannons, they thought the ship was saluting them. Hey, look, guys, they're so happy to be here to see us. Wait a minute, that cannonball got a little close. <laughs> Whoopsie-woo. Good grief. The Spanish were no match and gave up the island peacefully. The leading families of Guam assumed that they would be able to form a representative government after this, but that was not the case. The Navy ran the island like a battleship. The bombing of Pearl Harbor brought America into World War II. Many people are probably unaware that Guam was bombed by the Japanese as well just a few hours later. Did you know that? I did after going to the museum. Yeah, I World had not War known before we went to that museum that it wasn't just Pearl Harbor that got hit that day. Because since Guam was one of our territories and it was really easy for them to hit that one, they went after it. The Japanese occupied Guam for three years and killed over 1,100 people in that time. Some of them tortured. Before the end of the war, America would again have control of Guam and a national park was established to commemorate the battle. 
1993, Congress finally recognized the suffering of the Chamorro people during this time, and a monument was erected. It's kind of sad that it took all the way until the 90s before Congress recognized what the Chamorro people had gone through during the war and everything. Yeah. What happens in our government is we have Puerto Rico, Guam, some of these other outlying islands that are our territories. They have a representative in Congress, but they don't have any voting power. And it was their representative to Guam who finally stood up and said, hey, you guys, we need to do something to recognize the people of Guam. So they finally did. This kind of history leaves some residual energy that is not positive all the time. Along with this, the Chamorro have a rich spiritual culture and tradition. The main belief is that there are these Tau Tauamona on the island. To put it in our language, Kelly, these are Guam zombies. Oh, okay. <laughs> these are spirits of the ancient inhabitants of the island. The Chamorro believe that they live in the jungles and caves and inside banyan trees, which do get big enough that you could have, I don't know, you could have a whole family living in a banyan tree. They're so big. Some of the ancient latte ruins are infested with these creatures as well. The Chamorro believe that the Tau Tau Mona must be shown respect by asking them for permission before entering the jungle. And if you want to take fruit or plants from the jungle, you must also ask permission. The Tau Tau Monas can be either nice or malicious. Surahanos and Surahanas are shamans, and they are used to exercise spirits that attach themselves to people. Attachments usually reveal themselves through sickness. Pregnant women face the most danger when it comes to these spirits. They seem to dislike pregnant women, and they use perfume to mask their scent or even wear their husband's clothing to hide that they are a woman with child. And they usually stay inside at night. Can you imagine this pregnant woman having to cram herself into her husband's clothing so that she could pretend like she's not a pregnant woman? No. I couldn't find anything that said specifically why spirits have a problem with pregnant women. I tend to believe that it's not that they have a problem with a pregnant woman, but do they think that they can enter a newborn baby? And so they're hanging around oh, hoping perhaps. to jump on board. That yeah. would be my thought. Perhaps. What do you listeners think? <laughs> <laughs> Look at your face with the way you said it. <laughs> there are strange stone monuments here, just like those found in other places like Easter Island or Stonehenge. They date back to 600 AD. No one knows who placed these rock pillars all around the island. The stones are called latte stones and are so large and heavy, they would be hard to move. This has led to the Chamorro believing that the Tau Tau Mona have superhuman strength and that they move the stones. Thus, the Guam zombie ghosts are near to these columns and stones. So clearly, if you are a pregnant woman in Guam, stay away from these columns and stones that they have there. There are many haunted locations in Guam. One area that is considered quite haunted is Agana Heights. Before World War II, Agana Heights was primarily farmland for the residents of Hagatnya. The Spanish had also used this as a military lookout and built Fort Santa Agueda here in 1800. They feared attacks from English privateers and other assaults. The fort was named for Governor Manuel Murrow's wife, Maria Agueda del Camino. The structure was made from Momposteria, which is a stone rubble. There were spaces made for 10 small cannons that faced Hagatna Bay Channel. When the Americans took over control of the island, the fort was used as a signal station for ships. They renamed it Fort Apugan, and it became a naval governmental park. During World War II, the Japanese once again armed the fort, and Japanese figures can still be seen carved into the concrete. They trained carrier pigeons here, too. When the United States recaptured Guam, they used the fort as an internment camp. The site is today maintained by the government as a park that is a popular tour site with a panoramic view of the island's capital city, Bay of Agatnya, the Philippine Sea, 
and the sheer northern cliff lines of Oka Point and Irineo Point. So we're going to be looking at several haunted locations here. The first is Old Agana Hospital. The United States built the Old Agana Hospital at Agana Heights. The hospital was established the year after the U.S. capture of Guam in the Spanish-American War, so it dates back quite a ways. Surgeon Philip Leach arrived in 1899 aboard the USS Yosemite, and he established a naval hospital and dispensary. Over 1,100 civilian patients were treated that first year, and the Navy realized they needed more trained personnel. They graduated the first Western-trained midwives in 1901. Another hospital was built named Schroeder Hospital, and it eventually combined with this original hospital in 1910, and this became U.S. Naval Hospital Guam. In 1916, a tuberculosis ward was opened. People claim to hear music on the air when there's no music playing anywhere, and ghostly faces have shown up in pictures. So a lot of people, when they're visiting here, they'll take pictures and they'll see these weird things. Sometimes it's just an orb. Sometimes it's an orb that has a face in the middle of it, which are the ones that I'm like, that's not dust. That's something else going on there. And then some, they actually have the faces showing up. Next, we have the government house. This house is also located in Ghana Heights on Chalan Palayo. This is the governor's official residence and incorporates both Spanish and Chamorro culture in the architectural design. Construction started in 1952 and took two years to complete. More was added to the building after Typhoon Pamela in 1976. Today, the building occupies 22,000 square feet and houses a mini-museum of Guam's antiquities. And maybe that's why this structure is haunted. In the middle of the night, people in the building claim to hear disembodied wet footsteps, as though someone is walking down the hallway. How do you know they're wet? (laughs) I would imagine you... Yeah, you must hear a slapping kind of... (laughs) Sticking to the floor, I guess. Okay. The heavy double doors open on their own and slam shut as well. This whole scene seems to go together, and a legend claims that this was a fisherman's path. Hotel Nico. This is located at 245 Gun Beach Road in Tamuning. The building has a cool wave shape to it and overlooks Tumon Bay with 470 luxury rooms just waiting for guests. But people might think twice about staying here when they hear that it was built over an old Chamorro burial ground. So this is like talking about our old Native American burial grounds here. You don't want to build on those. Why do people do that? Poltergeist. (laughs) never a good idea. This has led to some disturbed spirits that guests and employees claim to have seen and heard. The main thing heard is ghostly wailing. And this is a really cool resort because it seems to embrace Halloween. When I was looking it up, they had a Halloween platter that they were offering up for 50 bucks. You could get sirloin steak, barbecue pork, spare ribs, fried chicken, mummy sausage. Mm. I'm not quite sure what that is. Garlic shrimp, squid ink pasta. So it's black pasta. Red rice, chocolate cake with berry sauce. Just imagine that they're kind of embracing the colors of Halloween in this, trying to make it look like it's bloody food and stuff like that. You could also order a Halloween cake from them. I just thought that was really cool because it's one of these places that you pay a lot of money to go stay out and hang out by the pool. And here they were doing this. Sounds like a lot of fun. Gun Beach itself, where the hotel is located, has an infamous haunt. This spirit is called the Gun Beach Spanish Horseman. A woman named Ha'ani was once on Gun Beach at night with some friends sitting around a campfire and enjoying stories and drinks. They were stunned when they saw a Spanish soldier riding on the back of a black horse. He was holding a torchlight, and as the horse trotted down the shore, the soldier and horse both disappeared. The torchlight continued on, floating in the air like an orb. Then it flew into the sky. I was like, how many drinks did you guys have before you saw this? (laughs) But wow, what a crazy thing to see. Definitely. And it's a group of them. 
And if they all saw it, pretty interesting. Leo Palace Hotel. This is located at 221 Lakeview Drive in Iona. This is described as Paradise City that awaits you in the hills of Guam. The spirits that haunt this location are two soldiers from World War II. People who have passed the hotel in the wee hours of the morning claim to see nothing outside the hotel. But when they look in their rearview mirror, they see two soldiers wearing their uniforms walking side by side. What is most startling about them is that one has no head, but is holding his helmet. So at least he kept his helmet, just not his head. Oh, dear. Is his head in his helmet? (laughs) I don't know. I haven't heard anybody say that, but it could be a possibility. A guy named Guy Lambert was on vacation in Guam, and he was visiting the Leo Palace Hotel. And in the hallway, he saw two soldiers. One had no head and was holding a helmet. The soldiers disappeared into a wall. Clearly, these two can be seen both outside and inside the hotel. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Kelly, October is our busiest time of the year. We are constantly going. We sure are. It's not only work because, well, that's what History Ghost Bump is all about when it comes to ghosts and everything. The Halloween month is our month. But we also have a lot of fun stuff we're doing with ghost hunts and watching scary movies and all that great stuff. Decorating. It's the best time of the year. Doesn't give us much time for figuring out what in the world are we going to make for dinner. This is true. HelloFresh has made it so easy. We get our box every week and in it we got three meals. We don't even have to think about what are we going to cook. We have it right there. All the ingredients are there measured out for us. It's as easy as can be. I love it. It's so convenient. No having to run to the grocery store, no leftover produce or spices that go bad because everything's perfectly measured. And HelloFresh embraces fall just as much as we do. They do have pumpkin cinnamon rolls and Thanksgiving ready sides. Mmm. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. There's vegetarian meals, calorie smart choices, and gourmet options. It really is very flexible and so delicious. Go to HelloFresh.com bump14 and use code bump14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Go to HelloFresh.com bump14 and use code bump14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. You'll be glad you did. We're haunted by the great taste of HelloFresh. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. The Talafofo Falls are a scenic series of cascades on the Yugum River. This is a resort park that features rides on a cable car that affords stunning aerial views of the 30-foot waterfall, an observation tower, a Guam historical museum, Sochiyoki's cave, and ghost house. There's also an erotic statue park called Loveland. And when I was looking up this park, it had a little warning there for parents that they might want to avoid the Loveland area, which was an erotic statue park. And I was like, what? Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There is a legend connected to the falls that claims three boys came to the falls to play in the 1930s. And while they were near the top of the falls, something in the jungle spooked them and they tumbled down the falls. All three died. People claim to see the outline of three boys in the mist of the falls. And when the mist dissipates, the ghostly images are gone. Next, we have the old Spanish bridge. This is in Agat, and it has one of the most well-known legends in Guam connected to it. And of course, that legend entails a lady in white. Kelly, is there any legend around a bridge that doesn't have a lady in white? 
Not that I know of. (laughs) The bridge was built in the late 1700s when the Spanish occupied Guam. The daughter of a Spanish official fell in love with an indigenous man and wanted to marry him. They would have secret rendezvous at the bridge in the evenings. Her father heard about the engagement and forbid such a union. There was no way his daughter would be marrying a lowly savage native. The official had the man murdered the day before the wedding. The distraught young woman drowned herself in the water beneath the bridge. And now her ghostly form is seen wandering around the bridge and her ghostly wail is often heard. What amazes me is there are these stories all around the world, including an island like Guam. Just amazing. They all have a a haunted bridge. The naval station in Guam is located in Sumay Agat. The naval base was built in 1944 after American forces had liberated Guam from Japan. The Navy's Lion 6 was used to construct the base. A standard Lion was a group of components put together on the U.S. mainland and then shipped to a location. This would be nicknamed the Pacific Supermarket and was the largest single element of World War II fleet support in the Pacific. This was the largest base on the island and housed 50,000 personnel. There had once been a Sume village here, but the Americans destroyed it when they first invaded. Eventually, the Navy would resettle the Sume and Santa Rita village in Agat. The base would see action in the Korean and Vietnam Wars as well. The base is still maintained today with over 6,000 active duty Navy members in residence. This is probably the most haunted location on the island. Employees that work in the store on base claim to hear disembodied footsteps and to hear children's laughter and voices. The warehouse connected to the store has a basement where beverages and snacks are stored, and there's also a restroom. I guess this is a cooler area. They call it the cool room. Might be cool because there's ghosts in there. Perhaps. One day, a female employee was in a stall in the restroom when she heard someone come into the restroom, walk to a stall, and then open and close the door. She assumed it was her co-worker friend and so called out, hello. There was no response. And yes, guys, we do talk to each other in the bathroom sometimes. (laughs) Yes, we do. She called out again and still no response. She finished and approached the stall. It was closed and looked occupied. She called out for a third time, but still no answer. We're not sure if she could look under the stall, but apparently she didn't and just went out to work in the cool storage room because that would have been my next step is to look to see if you saw any feet under the stall. She watched the restroom door and no one ever came out of the restroom. A male co-worker had been in the storage area when she went into the bathroom. So she asked if he saw anybody go into the bathroom and he said nobody had been around but himself. She asked him to check the restroom with her and they found no one inside. A morgue had once been here. So could this have been a spirit from that time? Then, Kelly, I went searching around to see if I could find any more other ghost stories that were connected to Guam, and I found a website that had several people that had shared some. So we're going to share those with everybody now. WRH1969 wrote, I was stationed in Guam from July 2007 to July 2010 by the U.S. Air Force. Guam has a very strong affiliation with the paranormal, and I will share a couple of experiences I had while living there. One summer night, it was very windy and I was walking my dog, Spot, whom we rescued from a dog shelter on Guam, around the base housing neighborhood. For some reason, we headed straight toward a Tao Tao Mona tree at the edge of a neighbor's yard. I had heard many stories about bad reactions and experiences with this type of spirit tree. Some people would say that if you stepped on the roots of this tree, you had to say sorry or you could get really sick, a bad scratch, or bad luck from not giving this tree proper respect. Spot's going to pee on it, isn't he? Oh, you just know that's where this story's (laughs) got to be going. As Spot and I went towards the tree, I immediately felt cold air all around me and a shock as Spot was urinating on the tree. Spot immediately started dragging me back up to our house, his tail between his legs and his hair was standing up. 
I was surprised by his reaction, but I noticed a wind swirl of leaves was heading towards us and Spot really took off and whimpered at me to get a move on and get out of there. Spot only weighs 15 pounds and he was dragging me easily at 5'9", 185 pounds. We got back to our house and Spot had calmed down quite a bit. I went to bed that night and before I went to sleep, I felt a weight on my chest for 15 to 20 seconds and I couldn't breathe. I tried to sit up and after I moved a little bit, the weight on my chest stopped and I found I could breathe again. I was spooked and very afraid and I immediately looked around my house and something didn't feel quite right, like I was being watched. I decided to pray before I went back into my bedroom and I held my wife's hand and I felt safe. See, my wife at that time didn't believe in ghosts or hauntings, even though she loves scary movies. Go figure, huh? But after living on Guam for three years, she relented her beliefs and at least could say something scary happened, but we don't know why or what. Paicha Marita wrote, My mom had just passed away in 2014 and I just found out that I was pregnant. The Monomco old people would say that if you're pregnant, you're not supposed to go out late at night. There is this long strip of road in Guam between the village of Ipan, Talafofo, and Yona that is said to be haunted. And of course, we had some haunted locations from two of those places. All my life, we've driven past this road and nothing has ever happened. The night I came in, my sister, her boyfriend, and I decided to go to Kmart to buy some stuff. By the time we got out of Kmart, it was 2.30 a.m. and we lived all the way in Ainarajan. I know we're butchering the names of these cities. I'm sure. And they got out of a Kmart at 2.30 a.m. It must be open 24 hours. Blue light specials. (laughs) (laughs) We stopped at the traffic light on that road. So as we drove further, we were the only car there, and I saw a shadow walk across the street, and then it vanished in thin air. I asked everyone else in the car if they saw what I saw, and they said that they didn't see what I saw. So as we drove further, I saw silhouettes of soldiers marching and prisoners dragging themselves across the street. My dad had told me that that road was the road our people took on the way to their death when Guam was occupied by the Japanese. I never went after sunset after that. There was another incident on the same road where my sister and I smelled embalming fluid in the car. Whoa. That's weird. I think someone was following us because it went away after 10 minutes. My dad has seen a soldier standing on the side of the road during the hours of 12 to 3 a.m. Don't ever go alone when driving that road. I've also heard of a man who asked for a ride, and when you pass the gas station, he disappears from the front seat. Hitchhiking ghosts. Don't pick them up. Tay-Tay01 wrote, This was when I was about nine years old. My family had a gathering at my niño's house at night, and my auntie was in the back cutting coconuts from the coconut tree. I was watching her from the front yard, waiting to scare her, and I heard someone talking. It was a deep voice. I looked back and saw a shadow walk by slowly underneath the streetlight. Then I remembered my mom saying that at night, there would be ancient Chamorro spirits walking around all over Guam at 6 p.m., called Teo Teo Monas. I didn't believe her at first, but when I saw the shadow, I had chills. So I went back to the gathering and saw something again. It was another spirit, but a different figure, maybe a little bigger than the one I saw under the streetlight. It stood there at the side of the house, staring at me. I could see that no one else could see it but me. So I went inside the house and told my cousin. He didn't believe me. So when I got home, I told my mom, and she told me that they don't like it when people are loud during their time. Now I know that I have to sleep early because she said that the Tao Tao Mona pinches loud people or makes them sick if they find them disturbing. Oh, gosh, we'd be in trouble snoring over there. (laughs) Sometimes people die. I guess I was bothering them. I also remember the time when I was 10. I was riding my bike down a big hill in front of my house. It was about 7.42 or 7.43 p.m. I was riding it by myself. Suddenly, I saw a dark figure under the streetlight again. 
I think it was one of the ancient chiefs from over 500 years ago. I pedaled a little faster so I could stop by the store up ahead. It kept on moving faster towards me. So I decided to go ride to it to see if it was my cousin who was at my house. But as I went closer to the figure, I saw that there was nobody around to make the shadow. I started breathing hard because I wasn't this frightened in my life since I was nine. So I pedaled back up to my house and I didn't stop no matter how tired I was. Since then, I never rode my bike after 6 p.m. ever again. And finally, we have this experience from Gyoza1216. I was stationed in Guam on the naval base from 2004 to 2006. I've had a few paranormal experiences before, but nothing prepared me for what would happen my last night on the island. I lived in Barracks 9 on the top floor, just down the hall from the kitchen. I can't remember my main room number, but once inside, it was room A. I had a roommate at the time, but she was always spending the night at her boyfriend's place. I was a police officer, and I got to work with a few of the locals. They mainly worked at our entrance gates, and they were masters at telling us their local ghost stories. Every place has a woman in white, and this place was no exception, although this story isn't about her. The locals call the island spirits the Tao Tao Monas. According to the islanders, if they like you, they'll sometimes pinch you or play jokes on you. If they don't like you, they make you sick with headaches. I worked with a guy who suffered terrible headaches that medical couldn't diagnose. It got so bad they accidentally killed him with a morphine overdose. Whoops. <laughs> Good grief. Don't believe me? Just look at the memorial in the lounge of the MA's headquarters. His name was MA3 Brent. He had died a few months after I'd gotten there, and I didn't know him that well. I did, however, take the spirits of the island quite seriously. I've always been as respectful as possible, and I think that's the reason I was never hurt. Okay, so here's what happened. I had always sensed that there was something in my barracks room with me. I wouldn't look at myself in the mirror when I brushed my teeth because I could feel it behind me and I was afraid I would see it in the mirror. Which is probably a good plan because that's usually what people do. Yeah. I had a friend who claimed to see spirits and she told me she could see a shadow-like figure walking around my room through the window outside. I never told anyone that I thought there was something living with me. It didn't freak me out because I already knew it was there. So I had my orders for my next duty station and all my stuff had already been packed up and shipped out. I only had the sheets I was issued and a suitcase I had to live out of for the next month. I was sleeping and I remember waking up in the middle of the night. I was still in a half dreamlike state where I wasn't fully awake or fully asleep. I had woken up because I was talking. I was saying, no, I can't, as if I was refusing an invitation. I was being polite and I could see a vague shadow by my door. Right before I realized that I was talking to something in my room, I was held down in my bed. I was on my back and my sheets were pulled up to my collarbones. It felt like someone big had placed their hands on either side of my shoulders and pressed down on the sheet. Sounds like sleep paralysis here. It scared me so bad I woke up all the way and the pressure went away too. After I had a moment to process what had happened, I came up with a theory. Whatever was in my room knew I was leaving the next day. I think it was making a last effort to convince me to stay because it liked me there. I had to refuse the offer because I had my orders and in a very last attempt, it wanted to force me to stay. I don't think it wanted to hurt me. I just think it was tired of having to deal with so many young single sailors who only wanted to be loud and get drunk. I was a quiet and calm guest in its house. Guam is a beautiful tropical island location. The culture of the indigenous people leads many to believe that spirits roam the island. Are these locations in Guam haunted? That is for you to decide. Kelly, every time I hear about Guam, I always think about that one guy in Congress a few years ago 
for some reason they were talking about Guam and I don't remember what the issue was that they were getting into, but he was afraid that Guam would tip over if they moved people oh God, too many to one right. side or something. And I was like, Oh my Lord. Are you kidding? You think an island can tip over? I'm like, Brilliant. that'd be kind of fun. We should all go on an island sometime and run to one side and see what happens. Okay. <laughs> We encourage you guys to check out our website at historygoesbump.com. And if you would like to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Kelly, it's the best <laughs> month of the year. It's October right now when we're recording this in 2021. Definitely a favorite time of the year. We have the virtual trick-or-treat. Everybody's been assigned and has their secret trick-or-treater or whatever. Their victim. Yeah, their victims. <laughs> And uh, so that's a lot of fun watching what's going on with that. And then for everybody else in the Spooktacular crew, we're going to be hosting our annual Cemetery Bingo. I'm so excited. Yes, Kelly just got the card done. So we'll get that out there. We'll get the event popped up and have the card there where you can download it. So please join us in the Spooktacular crew if you'd like to join us for Cemetery Bingo. It's always a lot of fun. This year we've made it really tough because there are some of you who are so dedicated you go to like five or six cemeteries during the day and manage to get blackout, no problem. So I didn't make it that hard. No, but there's some <laughs> ones on there that it's going to be tough for them to find such a thing. So hopefully this will make it so we don't have like, you know, 10 people getting blackout because they've been able to go to so many cemeteries. We just love that people are dedicated like that. And it really is a great time. We want to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode isn't brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We'd like to thank Rick Kinnett for your one-time donation. That was very nice. And we're welcoming into the cemetery Yana Wilkins. We're going to be burying you in a chest tomb. Thank you so much for supporting History Goes Bump. You really do help bring the show to the masses. Have a spooky experience that occurred at an historic location? Want to give us feedback or have a suggestion for the show? Share it with us at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And now, this month, da, 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 da. <laughs> which part are you playing, babe? I have no <laughs> idea. A wonderful cult. A wonderful cult. Reset. Reset. <laughs> you can say culture. I know it. I know. <laughs> I can say it. My mouth can't. I say it in my brain. Oh, well, that's great. Now, if we could just get all the listeners to tune into your brain. Oh, God, that that's would a be a dangerous place thing. to be. Yeah. No, let's not. <laughs> The first people to arrive. <laughs> I can't even say arrive. <laughs> the Japanese occupied Guam for three years and killed over 11,000 people in that time. 1,100. <laughs> Numbers. <laughs> I mean, 1,100 is a lot of people, but not as yeah. many as 11,000. Yeah. 
More was added to the building after a super typhoon. Typhoon? Good grief. Those typhoons. What do they do? They dial before they show up? (laughs) There's also an erotic statue called... There's like a whole park of erotic statues. I guess. That's what it said. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Just took me a second. I'm like, wait, wait. Wait, you see what it's named. Oh, Lord. The Navy's... Navy's? Navy? It's the Navy. It's like... In the Navy. Oh, my word. (laughs) One summer night, it was very windy and I was walking my dog, Spot, whom we rescued from a dog shelter on Guam. Actually, the name of the dog was Mr. Wiener, but I was not going to have you read the whole thing with that name. So I changed it to Spot. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Wiener. name's a dog, Mr. Wiener. I'm like, no, I'm changing the name. Probably a dachshund. (laughs) As they say. The names of the innocent were changed to protect them in this story. <laughs> okay. Pot's going to pee on it, isn't he? Oh, you just know that's where this story's <laughs> okay. got to be going. Mr. Ms. Wiener urinated on the train. <laughs> See why I had to change the name? <laughs>